You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. My name is Matt Shiles, and I am joined by my co-host, PJ. And you are joining me, not across the table, but way far away. Where are you? Well, I don't know about way far away. <laughs> I am in Wheaton, Illinois. So I am teaching a a week long intensive on organizational leadership. Mm. So I'll I'll be here through Friday, or I'll come back on Friday. You'll come back Friday. You'll still preach this upcoming weekend. Um, yeah, I would not want to miss this hot button issue on gender and sexuality and marriage and family. Why would I want to miss this? But I'm I'm so excited and glad that we're able to use technology to still record this extra takes today. Um, And as a reminder, we're in our um, TED series, Theological Educational Discourses. This week was Humanity and Sin and Salvation and End Times. That's July 8th and 9th. And we we didn't get to the end times. So here's what I'm going to do because I did not get to the end times. Okay, I'm glad. Good. So the fourth week, we have Pastor Derwin and Tom. They're going to take two of the topics that we have not covered. So the church and Christian discipleship. And then I'm going to record a few minute video on the last thing. So for the last thing, and I could do it in probably five, seven minutes and okay. that will be fine. So you'll get to see my pretty little face still that, that day. Wonderful. Okay. I did not get to it this week. Well, that was my bonus question, um, and you already hit it, so we're already off to a good start. Um, but it's great minds think alike. There we go. But it's interesting, uh, you know. Every time we start, I always put down the scriptures that we're in, and just the nature of of going through doctrine and theology. You know, there are countless, countless scriptures. I just wrote a few down here that we touched on Genesis one. Um, 26 and 28, Ephesians 1, Romans 10, Matthew 6, Philippians 3, James 2, and many others. And I think that just helps to um, highlight, um, you know, what we're doing here, right? There is there is a foundational grounding uh, in the scriptures. And um, I think every one of those doctrines that you would put up, you probably uh, referenced 10, 15 scriptures each. Um, so what does that, what does that say to us? Well, that these primary doctrines, we just don't pull them out of a hat. Yeah. And go, Hey, this sounds great. No, they, and, and what this series shows you is, is how like systematic theology happens. So you take a, again, take a subject or a thing. Um, so God, humanity, salvation, uh, you can, or we could have even done the doctrine of creation, but we feel like we cover that when we say that, that God created, um, everything. And so 
what it does is that you take these subjects now and you bring in all of the places from from Old Testament, New Testament, where the Bible covers these subjects. And, and when you bring in all of the passages that cover the, this, you know, a subject, then you start to formulate what the Bible teaches about that particular subject. That's the reason why, like, I don't have one particular what we would call anchor text that I read and then I explain. No, the, the Bible is our anchor text for the subject. And then we're teaching all these subjects and what we're teaching, what we are, are doing is saying out of all of these passages where, where this subject is covered, when you take them all together and consider what the Bible is teaching in all of these passages about that one particular subject, this is what we believe. So, yeah. And, and, and that's a different way of again preaching. And, and I, sure. I love various ways. Uh, sure. To preach. Um, yeah. It, it, it challenges me, but it also gives us a, like, you know, a different format to, to learn scripture, to learn what we believe. Mm. Wonderful. So let's dig into, uh, that first, um, the first set of doctrines. We have humanity and sin. We're going to move quickly today. Uh, we'll give you guys a little bit of a reprieve from last week because last week we went it was a, a little long last week. But yeah. I, I will, I will say though, I have to, I have to point this out. This past weekend, in every single gathering, in every single talk, I did it in eighteen minutes or less. How about that? Now I didn't have a bet going on with with the, <laughs> with the worship team. And as people know, <laughs> behind the scenes, Pastor Josh, I am very competitive, so I I hit my time. So it is funny to hear <laughs> Steve, Steve Groves talk about how I would land my plane in a couple yeah. of those those talks, but I, we we hit the we hit the time. You are very competitive. That's that's hilarious <laughs> to, to hear the behind the scenes of that. So the first question. Uh, or a really statement, you said, why would God give humans freedom of choice? Because love cannot be forced, it must be free. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, let me ask you, if somebody is forcing you to, like your children, take your children. Yeah. Um, it would not be love if you forced them to show affection, tell you loving things. To obey you, love like you, you cannot force love. Like that's it. Like you, I mean, you can force behavior, mm. but you cannot force this emotion. Love is something that people choose to give to another. That's the reason why when people say, "Well, you know, I just saw, I just fell out of love with them." No, what you said is you made you made a conscious choice not to love them anymore. Yes. Because love is not something that you can conjure up, uh, that you can force, that you can coax or co- you know, like coerce. Uh, mm. Love is a free will choice, and that's what's amazing about this whole idea of you know God's given human beings free will, but then also staying on the on the backside of salvation, how He's not going to force you, but He's going to give. He's going to give you something that is going to awaken you and open your eyes and your heart and your mind to understanding how much he loves you. 
Sí. And it was and it, by his own refusing that God loved us. I mean, that's why, you know, I mean, not to even really get ahead, but God demonstrates his own love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that's what Paul's going to write in Romans. So he loved us even when, when, when we were unlovable. Mm. When, humanly speaking, we would not have loved back. God loved us. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's the reason why it's important to understand really the idea of free will. Um, and, and that's why, you know, when people say, well, I would, I would have chose different than what Adam and Eve chose. No, you wouldn't. And what we thought was that, Ultimately, mankind, humanity, chose to love themselves supremely rather than God supremely. So mm-hmm. they wanted to be God, which is why they ended up rebelling against him. Yeah, just in that explanation, it r- really highlights the interconnectedness of these doctrines. Um, they are, yeah. Yeah, it, and that's what... Um, I just appreciate it so much. It's um, every single one of them is so foundational, but they are so um, they're so dependent and also complementary of each other. Um, yeah. well, and, you, and, and you need and you needed to hear like and and and, and I meant to even make it more or make it clearer. But there was a part A and a part B to what we believe about human beings. And, you know, the part A is the good part. You know, we were created in God's image mm. uh, and endowed with uh, with free will, and we were not affected by sin. That, that's originally mm. the the creation of humanity. But then the second part, part B, was, well, by our own free will, we chose to sin. <laughs> and therefore, it shattered God's image. So it really is part part A, part B. Mm. But, but even in our sin, we do not lose the intrinsic value and worth of God's image on our life. Mm. Right. So let's talk about that a little bit because you you gave us the impacts and influences of the image of God and then um, really contrasted that with how sin impacts us. Um, and those are pretty, those can be pretty striking list when we see um, how sin impacts us. And, um, and what was... Uh, what kind of dawned on me as you were talking through that, something we've talked through a lot here is, is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world and the circles. And it really seemed like those lists you were laying out could be describing and filling those circles, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Kingdom of man. This, this is how the fall affected the sound. And if people remember when I was just talking about the image, they're, there were four elements or aspects like the the image of God on human being life. So there's that ontological, so by our very nature, it's like who we are, mm. uh, purposeful, the why we exist. So we mm. exist to reflect God's glory. Well, then what are we going to do for for us to fulfill that purpose? Well, that's the functional, uh, you know, element, which is to relate how we relate to God and others, how we create, take the raw materials. And it's interesting. I'm, um, I have a, uh, a doctorate of ministry student that I'm doing an independent study with. And okay. they, they are, they are the director of spiritual formation at a private uh, school uh, from 
basically kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. And she was outlining for, for, for me, this is part of her independent study of how she's organizing each season of how spiritual formation will take root there, you, you know, with all of these uh, children from obviously kindergarten to uh, 12th grade. But it was interesting because, you know, it, it really like, it even helped me see, like, take kindergartners and first graders. They're learning vocabulary words. Mm-hmm. So they're taking the raw materials of language, A, B, C, D, all that. They're taking these words, these raw now letters. They're putting them together to formulate words. Then after you can learn, you know, words and what these words mean, then you can move to the next step of taking now these raw words that have been formed by these raw letters that have been created by human beings. And now we can form them into sentences so that we can communicate. And so you have like subjects, you have verbs, you have direct objects, you have adjectives and adverbs. All of those independently, they're raw materials. But when you take them and you put them in order, now you're making something of the world. And again, that, that that's just an example of how a kindergarten, first grader, second grader can take raw materials and make something of the world. And so as you get older, though, the the idea of taking raw materials, it's elevated because now we've learned the raw materials of science and mm-hmm. engineering and art and uh, math and uh, you, you know, uh, of, of teaching. And so now what we're doing is we're, we're taking these raw materials and formulating ideas and thoughts and we're, we're putting them in action. And so that's part of the Imago day is that we're going to, we're going to re- we're going to create and then we're going to operate. Um, and so, uh, where I'm going with this and then uh, the, the last element was biological. So male and female structural roles. Um, and, and we'll see a little bit more. Flesh that fleshed out this this coming week. Hey, I won't have a lot of time, but I'll at least mention it a little bit more in detail. But take those four elements of the of the image of God, and now look at how, how sin affected the you know the the imago day. So we don't value all of life. Well, that is a functional element. So so how we relate to others, which is a which is a part of the image of God on our life. Now, because of sin, we do not relate to all people the way God has called us to relate to people. You know, so prejudice, uh, prejudices, racism. Uh, again, th- th- those are ways that people have res- responded, related to people that basically say, we don't value you. Uh, abortion, we don't value life. And so again, that's, the, that's an effect of the fall. Uh, relational conflict, uh, you, you know, again, that's again a way that we relate to one another that's been damaged by the fall. Uh, worship creation. Okay, so that's um, that's the, that's kind of a purpose. That's a, it's a way that we've abused our purposes or that we've we, we've uh, been been shattered and fragmented uh, by, by sin. So we'll take things that we've created and we and we will worship them, ascribing ultimate significance and value to them as if that's our purpose. Well, that's not our purpose. Our purpose isn't to worship money. Our purpose isn't to worship career. Our per you know, purpose is to worship the God who created us, right? So uh identity theft, you know, confuse us to who we are. 
Uh, like, so I would say evolution taught, taught us this, you know, or the, the theory of evolution. And it is a theory, but, uh, well, we're, we're, we're just like the, the animal kingdom. No, we're different yeah. than the animal kingdom. So we're confused. Um, and then we're, we're confused as to other ways that we confuse who we are as human beings today. Um, and then like, uh, sexually, uh, broken, uh, that, you know, that, you know, that can fit with your biological, uh, the ideas of roles and responsibilities and just the family unit. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's a, that's a biological structural, I, again, sin has damaged that. I mean, so again, you look at the who, the why, the what, and the how of the image of God and sin has damaged every element and aspect of the image of God on our life. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thankfully, we don't stop there, right? Thankfully, we have the doctrine of salvation, and uh, I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, but and and um, even before we talk about that, I mean, I, I do think that, and it, and, and I did assume, uh, I I made this assumption that that just human beings internally and innately think something has gone wrong. Right. So I made that assumption, and that that is a pretty yeah. big assumption. Because I, I would also say that there there probably are a lot of people out there, if they look at that other living room that we created, uh, humans, uh, the, the human living room, they would go, my life's not that bad. I mean, yeah, sure, it, it, but it's not that bad. And I, 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 I will give to people and going, okay, your room might not look like that. Maybe you've duct tape, you know, some mm. things. Uh, mm. Maybe you have sprayed some, you know, perfume, some cologne to make it smell better. Um, mm. Maybe you hiding it. Yes, I mean, is we we do have a have the proclivity to try to save ourselves. But the the whole idea of us trying to save ourselves, just like Adam and Eve. They tried to create a functional savior and, and sewing clothes that would mm-hmm. cover their nakedness. So, mm-hmm. so there are, there are ways that we try as human beings to clean up our, our, our living room. But it's that, it's like that old idiom. You can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. So, so that, so then it's true. We, we have tried, but yeah. that is the living room. And I do truly believe at some level, at some level, every human being understands, even though they might not put their finger on it, something has gone wrong. Mm-hmm. So what is, shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's where, from a Christian perspective, we know something has gone terribly wrong because we have mm-hmm. all of the elements. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. We have all of the elements of what it means to be created in the image of God. But, but all of these elements have been shattered, been fragmented, have been abused, have, have been misused, misappropriated. And so what we're trying to do is bring a, a full out understanding of labeling what, what was, what went wrong, and how it can be solved. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. So um, you brought up Adam and Eve, and obviously when we are talking about salvation— we can jump straight to Jesus um, in the work he did for us. But um, 
brings up a question. Has salvation changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Um, the short answer would be no. Salvation has not changed. But the, the direction that people have looked for salvation has changed. So I'll give you a print thing. Okay. So the reason why, or, or I'll explain. The reason why salvation hasn't changed is that salvation has always been by faith alone, through grace alone, and through Christ alone. Well, you say, well, how, Christ are not even in the Old Testament. Okay, so let's look at Adam and Eve first and foremost. All right, so when God issued out the punishment and, and consequences for their sin, he's going to banish them for, from the Garden of Eden. But in but before doing so, we see that God clothes them with garments of skin. So many theologians say that that's that allusion to the sacrifice and uh, the, the prelude to the sacrificial system that would be uh, created for the, the people of, of God, Israel. But in and the animal skin being provided for Adam and Eve, what did they have to do? They had to receive them and put them on. Hmm. And so, and they had to, by faith, believe that it covered their nakedness, that it was sufficient, that what God provided was sufficient to clothe them. And so what you have is now, you know, they're saved by faith. Um, and it, again, they're not saved by their works. Now their, their works demonstrate their, their faith. But what, what their faith is doing is pointing to a future time. So they're looking ahead to a future time when the state of woman, because in Genesis 3.15, God told Adam and Eve that a seed would come from humanity that would crush the head of Satan, that would reverse this curse, that would save humanity. So by accepting the clothes that God has provided, and these clothes coming from that of a sacrifice, they are looking forward in the future to the offspring that will come and save them. Mm. And then you fast forward to Abraham. And even in the New Testament, Paul is going to actually look back to Abraham and see Abraham as the poster child of faith, that it was by Faith, God, God accounted or credited to Abraham his righteousness. It wasn't because Abraham obeyed. It was, you know, like he, he followed what God said. It was by his faith that he truly believed God. Now, again, what we're seeing is that when you have faith in, in the Lord, that faith is going to now produce fruit of righteousness and obedience. But, mm-hmm. but his faith, is what saved him. It was his, and that's why, I, uh, and I didn't put it up this week. I had put it up last week, but I've put it up many times, but the little graph that shows what faith is, it's belief in, confident in, trust in. So when we put our belief, our confidence, our trust in Jesus, in, in Yahweh of the Old Testament, there is salvation. And it's it. Saving everyone, if it's true saving faith that you truly have believed and trusted that it will it will produce works. But but again, what you had with Abraham is that he is actually looking in the future 
to a promised seed because although it is in Abraham that God promises to send a offspring mm. that would save. Um, and then as, as you look at the nation of Israel, uh, they are saved by their faith. So for, for instance, one of the things that is really, really important the thing in terms of the redemption, the, the, the redemptive story of God's people is that, is that Israel, they're already in relationship with the Lord before he gives them the Ten Commandments. And those Ten Commandments that he gives them, they are to govern life in the land that he's given them. But he's given them the land, he's given them the Ten Commandments, not so that they can be saved in obeying him, but because they are saved. And so, because they're, again, they're, they're looking, they're, they're, their faith is in Yahweh. And then through all of those sacrifices that they were supposed to be doing, all of those were a prelude and pointing to the ultimate sacrifice that would eventually come in a deliverer and the anointed one, the Messiah. Amen. So in the Old Testament, God's people looked forward in, in their faith for a deliverer. In the New Testament, uh, we're actually looking backwards uh, to the time where the Messiah, the anointed one, that God in flesh, the offspring of Adam, uh, the offspring of Abraham and David, the, the better and greater Israel came to be the once and for all sacrifice for our sin. So now our faith is in Jesus. So by faith alone, in grace alone, what what we have is salvation. So yeah, so uh, again, Old Testament, New Testament, they're saved, we're saved by faith, but Old Testament, we're looking ahead. New Testament, we're looking back to Jesus. Yeah, I think that's just another another dimension and aspect of the importance of of, of reading and understanding the Old Testament. Um, yeah. So great forward and backwards so as we look to wrap up i do want to uh, kind of end on this final question about you really talked about what actually saves you and you got you got pretty fired up about it <laughs> um in a good way um but really it was about works you know attending church giving um all of those things that we can fall into those can't save you um, so why do you think this is so dis- difficult for us to grasp? Um, well, first of all, let me say, I think it's so, so, so important. You started off in, in what we were talking about, love. Love is not force. Mm-hmm. Love is a choice. And the reason why I've never gotten over salvation is because I have sensed, uh, you know, at the end, SDB, I've sensed the Lord's love for me, how much he loved me, how he has fully demonstrated his love for me, mm. and I just love him back. Mm. And my love is completely imperfect compared to his complete, perfect love. Mm. And and that's why for me, like that, I, the element of sanctification is that part of the the notion of being conformed more into the image of Jesus is actually loving Jesus even more. Now, here's the thing. 
Jesus cannot love us any more than he already loves us. Mm. And Jesus's love does not change towards us, regardless of whether we have a great day of obedience or a bad day of obedience. He has perfect love. But but our love, again, it it has been flawed because of our sin, but it, in Jesus, our love and our capacity to love others and to love God, it has been enlarged. And so part of sanctification is really growing in our love and affection for Jesus. Mm. And I'm more passionate and in love with Jesus today than I was when I first came to know Jesus at eight. Um, and I think, you know, when we look at scripture, particularly uh, the church at Laodicea, I believe it is, where the Lord says that they had lost their first love. And when you lose love for Jesus, but you're still trying to feel saved, be saved, you you have a tendency to relapse into functional saviors. Mm. Where then, from a Christian kind of religious perspective, is that people tend to see now attending church, giving, attending a small group, praying, reading my Bible, all of that as functional saviors that save them. Mm. And then if you're using those things as means to try to feel saved or be saved, you will actually fall out of love for God because you won't have any relationship. It's all function. You know, see, if I didn't have an ongoing relationship with my wife and I truly didn't, you know, have this desire to know her, to know her more, then, and, and all I did was try to do functional things that a husband does around the house, then I'm actually going to grow to despise her because I'm trying to do all these things without a relationship. And I think that's one of the things that when you look at religion, that's all religion does. It gives you the functions of religiosity with no relationship with a savior or a king, or in our case, both savior and king. So so that's why I feel like it's so, you know, it's so important to see the the role of of work. Is that the the role of works are just a demonstration of our love for the Lord and what He has done for us through Jesus's death and resurrection. Um, so, so and I I get passionate about that because I am not the same person I was last year, and all yeah. and the reason why that is because of this idea of love is that I'm 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 diving deeper into God's love. Not only for me, but but my love for him. Right, right. Yeah. Man, I I think you just uh you just described so much of the North American church and some of our demise, you know, the the idea of uh how we can easily fall out of love and if that's um based on function and not based on a relationship and um uh, and man, what a what a call to the church for us individually and us corporately, right? To call people, call ourselves, and call people to uh, just experience that relationship 
um, and and really push back as as hard as we can against the um, the allure of the the workspace theology that we can just seemingly just fall into. Yeah, and I think that yeah, and and the only way to do that is is by diving deep into a relationship. Now, again, now by by diving deep, though, I mean here's here's kind of what what I'm also talking about in terms of diving deep in a relationship is. That this idea of sanctification is a big, when I say the the other side of justification. So we are mm-hmm. we are justified. We are legally set free and not held accountable to our our past, our, our present, our future sin because of Jesus. So so we are justified. And I said, you know, a way to look at it is just as if I've never sinned. You know, in in the eyes of God, because God now looks at me. And when he said, maybe it's in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, so the way we're justified, though, is through the, the confession that, that Jesus Christ is, is Lord, is Savior, that we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, and you shall be saved. Sanctification is the ongoing posture and confession and profession of that. And so it's this daily surrendering to, to Jesus as our King, as our Lord. As our boss, as our friend, and so, and and then we're also we're we're yielding our light to the Spirit of God inside of us, and so, uh, so that's why we're going to read His Word because His Word has been preserved for us over over centuries, so that we might know Him even more and what He wants from us. Um, but but we're also going to be in community with other brothers and sisters because that's another way. So, so if you think about it, there's three, and, and this is something again that they'll, you know, I say Derwin and Tom will be covering in a couple of weeks, but, but this realm of, of discipleship, there's an environment, there's a tool and there are exercises. So the tool is the, the word of God. The environment is the community of God and the exercises are spiritual exercises or practices or disciplines. And so we're we're engaging in all of those to deepen our understanding, our awareness of who God is and what He wants from us. And and while we're doing that, we are cultivating a deep love and appreciation and surrender to Him. Amen. I think so. That's that's like, so, so yeah. So that's what I mean by like kind of going deep into that relationship because. Yeah, that that's how I'm actually going to dive deep into my relationship with with Joni. Like, so we're right. celebrating tw- you know 20 years, and so mm-hmm. there the home is the environment, and then mm-hmm. the the tool is the word because the mm-hmm. word now gives me understanding to how I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loved the church, yeah. and then there's going to be exercises that I do as a husband to show her that mm-hmm. I actually love her, and those exercises are not going to be burdensome. But those those exercises are a blessing because of my ongoing relationship with Joni. Mm. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that is definitely a good good one to end on. And Northland family, we love you. We are truly, truly grateful for you. I hope you're enjoying this TED series, theological educational discourses. So we got coming up in week three, marriage and family. Which I will also mention something about singleness because I don't want all I don't want any of my single brothers or sisters to feel left out. So that it will be very much uh, part of the the first talk, and then we'll look at gender and sexuality 
of what we believe that the Bible teaches on those subjects. And so be be in prayer uh, for this weekend, and we cannot wait to worship King Jesus with you. Have a great rest of your week. Bless you. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.